Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up! Hey, what's going on, everybody? Ears Up Podcast. We are back in the uh, virtual Ears Up studio in beautiful, well, hopefully it's snowing uh, later today. Eric, do you know that we're (laughs) basically going to be like Colorado? And uh, hopefully, Uh, yeah. yeah, we might get snow, maybe. And I promised Alice that I would wake her up. I go, no matter what, no matter if it's two in the morning, she goes, no matter what, I want you to come and jump on my (laughs) bed and wake me up. I'm like, I will literally do that because I'm mentally about five years older than you. So, yes, I will definitely do that. She goes, I wish we could play in the snow. And I go, honey, if it's two in the morning and it's snowing, you and I are going outside and playing in the snow. I do not care. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. We've gotten like snow, like like ground level, like sea level snow, basically one time in like 1976. That's it. I got pictures of it and it's pretty cool. But I mean, I wasn't alive, so I missed it. But I want that. I want it for her. And I want it for me. And I want it for every other, you know, delayed, you know, adult child. Hey, I'm just a Midwestern kid who <laughs> moved slightly further west of the mid who um, wants you to have the same experience I had so many times. <laughs> Shoveling snow. See, that's what I, that's what I, I, I told Taryn this all the time. I would live where it snows. I have no problem with it. The problem comes with the maintenance of snow. I don't want to shovel. I don't want to move it. I want to see it fall, maybe throw a snowball or two, and then have it melt. And then that's what, that's all. I don't want a snowblower. I don't want snow chains. I don't want um, a snow day. I mean, I don't, I'm, it's pretty irrelevant yeah, to me, but you know I what mean, I mean? That's what I want. No, I get it. And that happens a lot in Colorado where we usually have a sunny, warm day the next day. Uh, this year has been different. Oh. Every time it snows, it's like 10 degrees out nice. for two days. And I just had back surgery. So <laughs> I'm looking at it going, I can't. I really shouldn't grab the shovel. No, but I shouldn't you, do it. But you probably did anyways, <laughs> knowing you. No, I'm a very good boy. There you go. All right. Well, enough about the snow talk. What we're here to talk about. Welcome, Taryn, by the way. Thank you for coming here. Hold on. Thank you for coming in and uh, finally, you know, just running in tardy. Yes. Appreciate that. Well, I apologize. Yeah, it's all right. Don't worry about it. I'm just kidding. Oh, today we are on, joined on the show by Professor Jeffrey Barnes, author of the book, The Wisdom of Walt, Leadership Lessons from the Happiest Place on Earth. Professor Barnes, do I call you Professor Barnes? Do I call you Dr. Barnes? Because you did pay for that. Or uh, Jeffrey, or what, uh, how should I address you? Well, I prefer either 
Jeff or Dr. Disneyland? Let's go with Jeff. Ooh, let's go with Jeff. Okay. I, Dr. Disneyland. I like it. I like it. I think it's pretty good. All right, Thank Jeff. You. Well, thanks for, for spending time with us. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I'm down in Southern California and you started the show talking about snow. Uh, we're actually under blizzard watches and warnings. Whoa. What? I'm not Insane. kidding. You. Wow. Wow. And you're you're relatively close to the parks. Do you think the parks are going to get anything? It's 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 possible. Oh my um, god! You know, I was at Disneyland last night. Um, it was very surreal. Um, you could see the storm coming in. Um, the clouds behind Sleeping Beauty Castle were amazing. Um, and I I was doing an event at in in Winnipeg of all places about three weeks ago and mm-hmm. it was minus 13 degrees. And I agree with you. Snow is great in theory. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I don't know how people do it on a daily basis. That no. is a completely different world. And I, I'm flying to Florida tomorrow for an event this weekend. And it's, it's going to be near 90 at uh, Walt oh, Disney. Wow. So, <laughs> again, um, great in theory. It's, um, you know, Nice when it's unique, but um, I, I'm ready to get back where it's warm again. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Those are some of my favorite times at Disneyland, seeing the clouds rolling in. Oh, yeah. You know, that temperature shift a little bit, like yes. cold. I don't I can't remember the last cold night at Disney. I mean, we granted, we haven't been since the pandemic started. But even then, it was like you could tell the real shift in temperature over the years where it used to be, you know, in the fifties at night and you're like, Whoa, Whoa, it's a brisk Anaheim (laughs) evening, you know, but now I don't think that happens anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my event in Winnipeg, they, they were great because they said, look, you don't have what you're going to need. You don't even know what you need. (laughs) You couldn't find it in Southern California, even if you knew. Yeah. So when I landed, they handed me a winter survival kit wow um and believe it or not i wore some of that gear to the park last night wow because i needed it (laughs) god what was in the kit i mean for for me you know it'd be like a a, a starbucks gift card and like a a a scarf (laughs) Um, you know what i mean i don't know yeah so it was um you know what you know a, a puff jacket and, wow. you know, an appropriate type hat and gloves and, you know, thermals and what have you. And I wore the the jacket and uh, the hat last night because Jeez. for one of the few times since I've lived in Southern California and I've been here since 2011, I needed it at Disneyland last night. Wow. And I can get like if you were there not tonight, today, if you were there today, you needed it. Wow. Let alone tonight, because oh, um, it, it was worse today than it would have been even last night. It's it's freaking cold here right now. I I love that you don't even know do what you're gonna need. Like that's a good <laughs> thing. Like, uh, excuse me, uh, sir. I have an REI in my neighborhood. I know exactly where I. <laughs> I don't know. You know, what I mean? yeah. because it is yeah. it in those places. It is a different. It's different. You know, yeah. you can get something here at the Walmart or whatever, and it's not going to be. Um, I, I guess industrial strength, for lack of a better term, where it's like these people have gear that lasts them weeks. Yeah, you know, yeah. and 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 I had no idea. Like they commute to work on ice skates. <laughs> they, they do weddings out on yeah. frozen rivers. Um, I, I went to dinner, and there were a couple of people who grew up twelve hours north of there, and I'm like, "There's a north of here." 
How is that even possible? Um, but I learned a couple of fun Disney facts from members of parliament of all, um, you know, places and people. Um, Snow White originated from Winnipeg. I did not know that. And <laughs> the original Winnie the Pooh Bear came from Winnipeg. So wow. um, I, I have a cool job because I get to travel the country and the world talking about Disney and you find all of these fun facts everywhere you go. Yeah, I mean, to me, the lead there is that you were hanging out with members of parliament. Oh, yeah. And when I was done, they they were texting me, hey, did you know that Snow White came from Winnipeg? Hey, did you know that the bear that was the inspiration for Winnie the Pooh AKA World War One that got shipped to the London Zoo came from Winnipeg. And wow. these were stories that I didn't know. That's cool, man. I love it. Wow. <laughs> That's great, man. Well, getting to your book, The Wisdom of Walt, uh, and says leadership lessons from the happiest place on earth. Uh, can you can you say that the happiest place on earth? I thought they had the, you know, lockdown and uh Disney lawyers are gonna come after you. <laughs> you know, I get asked that question all the time. Yeah. Um we're and looking so out when for I you. Started out. Yeah. Um, this is what I was told, um, and I know people. You know, they have their own Disney dreams about wanting to get into the space. Um, and here's what I was told: um, first of all, you don't need permission. Um, so, you know, if 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 you write to Disney asking for permission, you're 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 probably not ever going to hear from them. Mm. Um, so, you know. Go do your own thing Mm because you probably don't need it. But then secondly, stay positive and stay away from characters. Mm, Okay. Mm, Okay. And that's what I did. Okay. I I stayed positive um, because I believe in Walt um, and I believe in the park. And, um, you know, and, and Disney has a right to, you know, their characters, their copyright, their trademark, of course, as does any other company. Sure. And, um, you know, they're known for being, um, you know, really aggressive in protecting those, you know, patents and trademarks and copyrights. And um, that really, I think, goes back to the loss of Oswald, um, mm. which... Um, you know, your listeners probably know the background of that story. You know, Walt said, and I don't know if it's the first time that he said it, but, you know, on the opening broadcast of the Disneyland television show, um, which premiered October 27th of 1954, when he's revealing to the world on the ABC TV show that he's going to build Disneyland, he says it all started with a mouse. But, of course, that's not true. It started with a rabbit, (laughs) Oswald. Jeff, uh, this is, I have been saying that for years. <laughs> Thank you. For years. Thank nobody you. believes me. Yes. It, it, it started with a rabbit. Um, I like to refer to him as Oswald, the not so lucky rabbit. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that, of course, uh, was 100 years ago this year after the failed bankruptcy um, with Laughagram Studio in 1923. And, uh, you know, fortunately, Walt does not give up. Instead, he boards a train with $40, a single suitcase, one-way ticket, leaves Kansas City, comes to California, and his first successful cartoon character is not Mickey Mouse, but Oswald. Mm -hmm. And Oswald is super successful. And five years later, because he had signed a distribution deal with Charles Mintz and Universal, boards another train, headed to New York City with his wife, Lily, He'd gotten married in between, 
and he's looking for a bigger and better contract because even though Oswald was successful, um, they were, you know, pretty much only breaking even and, and Walt's hoping, you know, to negotiate a better contract, um, not necessarily realizing or forgetting or whatever um, that he had signed away the distribution rights um, when he signed the distribution deal. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, um, you know, he, uh, you know, he, he, he protects his characters because yeah. he, he is like, you know, we're not ever going to make that mistake <laughs> again. Right. Um, and so, you know, you, you can see on the front of the book and even at the start of the chapters, there are three black circles. Um, yeah. But Disney doesn't have a copyright on three black circles. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Okay. So yes, there are three <laughs> black circles, everybody, for anyone who can't see, and it's uh, you know one large one, and then two smaller ones on either side at the top, at the you know whatever the top third, let's say it's a shape. I figured that they could go after you because we've heard stories where you know companies were making waffles that were shaped that way or something like that, and they can't do that. I, I think, um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I get, I would be afraid, you know, to take a, like a tenement from your book. I would be afraid to do it and I wouldn't do it. I would I would sit back and I would not do that. Yeah, and and believe me, um could Disney make my life miserable if they chose to? Probably. Yeah. Fortunately, um they they know I exist. Um they've brought me um in to speak to cast members. I've been on site um you know, speaking and selling books multiple times. I've even been on stage interviewing Imagineers, legends. Um, and and again, you know, what I was told was be positive, stay away from, you know, the, the characters. Right. And, you know, I've, um, you know, done that very uh, affirmingly. And, you know, fortunately to date have not received a cease and desist letter or worse. Well, and I I feel like that is the, it speaks to the core of, of your book, you know, anyways, you know, not, not only be positive, but it's their life lessons from Walt, essentially. And, you know, it's, right. it's booked, you know, build as like leadership lessons. So you automatically think business. And I know you sort of, I think, focus, you know, on like uh, keynote speeches and, 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 you know, business stuff. But a lot of the stuff in here can be applied to just your personal life as well. I think it, it bridges that gap really nicely. And uh, your writing style is very affirming. It's almost like a, a blog form, casual. Yeah. But, you know, and you get right to the point, um, you know, a lot of books like this can sometimes get lost in telling stories or, you know, giving examples like here's 10 examples of the point that I just made. <laughs> yeah. But I, but in make believe story form, Alex has a coffee shop, you know, and it's like, OK, I get it. I understand it. <laughs> but when you're telling the stories, it, it's it's a little bit um, it's a little it's not a little bit. It's a lot easier to digest. And I wonder if that's just because of the subject matter, because of Disneyland and we're all sort of, you know, involved in the parks or, you know, your writing style or or both. But how do you approach how do you approach distilling this information down into these easy, digestible little bites? Well, um, I mean, because you, you cover big topics, you, to, you, cover, you cover big things like courage, you know, <laughs> have no fear, you know, Take your dreams, do the thing, right? It's that's it's big stuff. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I appreciate that compliment. It it means a lot. Um I, I hear a, 
a lot that my writing is accessible. Yeah. And I, I spent 20 plus years in academics and academics often is anything but accessible. Mm-hmm. And I pride myself on, you know, taking subject matters, you know, whether it's uh, writing, whether it's um, theology, whether it's uh, U.S. history, uh, American, that doesn't matter. And breaking it down so that any student at any level can access it and understand it. Because I think that's what teaching is all about. Teachers shouldn't take a subject and make it hard and difficult and overwhelming and too challenging. The purpose of of teaching is so that you can learn it, right? Right. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, what I wanted to do um, in in writing the book, and, and the book is a byproduct of my history of Disneyland class, which um, as hmm. far as I know to date is the world's only accredited college course on the history of Disneyland. The the, the purpose was um, to take what Walt wanted to be best known for. D- despite Mickey Mouse, despite Snow White, despite Disneyland, he most wanted to be remembered as a storyteller. Well, I wanted to write the book for the purpose of telling stories. And I wanted those stories to challenge the reader to do what? Live their own great story. And I wanted to not only tell Walt's story, I wanted to use the stories from the parks that we love to inspire us and motivate us once we leave the park to again live our own great story. And I think the biggest risk that I took was to in turn share some of my own personal stories, um, which again was a risk and also um, was probably vulnerable on my part. But I also think it made the book unique because there are Disneyland history books out there. Yeah. And I didn't really feel like I had it, I had anything new to add to that space. And there were Disney business books out there. And I didn't feel like I had anything new to add to that space either. Mm. Um, But what I did was unique and different, especially if I told my story and um, it worked. And I feel very blessed and fortunate as a result. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like uh, Imagineers say, do something with a purpose. If there's no purpose behind it, don't do it. Yeah. You know, and and I like that you you took your time with it sounds like and you found the right space to fit in to tell your story why why disneyland why walt why why did you take that track to sort of explain you know how to how to live your your best life so um that's going to be a little bit of a long answer so give me some (laughs) space here yeah take Um, all the time you need man (laughs) so i grew up in the panhandle of florida first went to walt disney world in august of 74 loved it Loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. Did not get out to Disneyland until I was in grad school and made it down to Los Angeles in August of 1988. Hated it. Wow. Oh, interesting. Blaspheme. Wow. Um, I mean, I could see why, though. I get it. Because it's it's, smaller. It's smaller. It's weirder. It's compressed. Yeah. Had no idea what I was doing. Stumbled in. Again, it's August. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. It's yeah. it's a Sunday morning, eleven a.m. The newest, latest, greatest was Star Tours. Oh. Um, 
I, I knew where the ride was, i.e. Tomorrowland. The cast member tells us, well, the good news is you're in the right place for the ride. You're in the wrong place for the line. We get redirected <laughs> to um, the front of Main Street. What a oh. nice, what a nice way to say you can't park here, sir. Like, yeah. <laughs> what a really um, nice. You have good news and bad news for you, brother. Yeah. <laughs> took took us three hours before we experienced our first Disneyland attraction. I'm not a patient person. Same. I've never lost my patience. You can't lose what you do not have. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> so by the time we're done with Star Tours. It's it's more crowded. It's even hotter. Um, I mean, by the time we're done with Disneyland at the end of that day, if you had told me then what I'm going to be doing now, 35 years later, I would have said you're absolutely <laughs> nuts. Wow. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. But I, I stayed in California long enough to realize in, in ways that were not true for Florida that this park matters to locals. Um, and, and I'm like, what, what did I miss? Because <laughs> yeah. everybody here, like, they're all in. Yeah, yeah, there's an ownership in mm-hmm. the locals. I mean, there's, what, 50% of all visitors to the park are locals. Yeah. Something like that. So there's a definitely and, and, an ownership and I'm like, Because in Florida, like, you know, from age 10 to grad night, Every time we went back, I was like counting down the days. I couldn't wait to go back. And Disneyland is like, man, I don't get it. <laughs> but everyone else I talked to, oh. and so I'm insatiably curious, which was one of Walt's C's for success, right? So I started researching what was it that I missed. And that's when I discovered Walt's story. Wasn't born successful, difficult relationship with his father, impoverished childhood, more failures than successes. And even at age 53, when he wanted to build Disneyland, he couldn't just speak the words magic kingdom and it magically appear out of an orange grove. (laughs) Right. And I just fell in love with the story. Yeah. So three years later, I go back knowing that story. Okay. And and I just, I just fell in love. I, I just thought it was the most amazing magical happiest place on earth because i saw it through the prism of that story that was the game changer it was the game changer wow and yeah i got home and 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 i started telling people immediately one day i'm going to write a book about disneyland wow now i didn't know what book i didn't know how i didn't know why i didn't know when Mm -hmm. but i i i I remember I, I, I'm going to write a book one day about Disneyland. Were you uh, an author before that or interested no. in writing? No, you just were like, I, a book. But, but I cool. knew that I wanted to, I, I knew that I wanted to be an author. Okay. Okay. And, and I tell people all the time, everybody wants to be an author. Nobody wants to be a writer. <laughs> well, yeah. True. That's true. <laughs> yeah, you, right? you want the work, oh. you want the work done immediately yeah. and then, and then get paid for it. You don't want to actually do it. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I get that. So I, I end up in um, higher ed, starting in um, let's let's see uh, t- 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 what year? Um, oh, two thousand. And then I come to Southern California in twenty eleven, and I, I become an annoying annual pass holder. <laughs> I know what go. that's like. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and. 
and, and I'm Dean of Student Success, Professor of Humanities. And I'm responsible not only for teaching, but for raising retention and raising graduation rates. And, and I've got these struggling students and I'm I'm recognizing, you know, what it takes to be successful, what it takes to achieve your goals, what it takes to live a better story. Like all of those lessons, they're, they're the same. But if I just go in and start telling these students what it takes, they're just going to like shut me out in 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. But the one common denominator, the, the one common town square in Southern California that everybody knows and everybody gathers around and everybody agrees with in Southern, it's Disneyland. Yeah. Hmm. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, like if I could teach a history class, if I could teach a college course on the history of Disneyland, that would be a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see that thought process instant, for sure. Yeah. Instant yeah. success. Absolutely. And so it was a, it was a chance for me to raise my game as a history professor. It was a chance for me to connect with the kids that were struggling academically. Mm. But in terms of courage, like I immediately knew that it was a risk because it was a quote unquote Mickey Mouse idea. <laughs> right. And so it took me a long time to pitch my Mickey Mouse idea. Okay. And then eventually it was one of those things. I talk about it as being like a ghost at the haunted mansion. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it followed me home. It wouldn't <laughs> let me go. It woke me up in the middle of the night. You know, it kept poking at me in the middle of the day. Yeah. And um, eventually I I pitched it. I got permission. I worked on it for an entire year, put everything together, gave the very first lecture. And um, as much as I dreamed about this, the students loved it more. Hmm. Awesome. Because our ideas and our crazy thoughts and our dreams, they, they, they matter, right? Because think, think about the park today. Walt built it because it was the toy he never had as a kid. Hmm. Okay, but it yeah. matters to us even more decades after his death. So he has this idea on a park bench. Fortunately, he has the courage to get up off of that park bench and take action, which is exactly what we have to do with our ideas, not just for us, but for the difference it's going to make in the lives of others. The day after I give that first lecture, I'm diagnosed with a life-threatening brain tumor. Wow. They want to operate immediately. Recovery's two months. And I refuse. Oh, because I'm in the middle of teaching an eight week course and the doctor at Cedar Sinai. Yeah, but (laughs) completely nuts. Yeah. So would I. And he's like, what class are you teaching? That's so important that you're willing to put off brain surgery and risk your life. And when I told him history of Disneyland, I thought he was going to kill me before the brain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. As he probably should have, if he didn't take that darn oath. Yeah. He probably would have. But again, the the class was never about the amusement park. Mm -hmm. It was all about challenging the students to buy into Walt's story of resiliency and risk-taking 
believing in your ideas, buying into your story, continuing to move forward, and changing your world by, um, you know, believing in yourself. That is a good way to go. You know, because you you say the history of Disneyland and you think, well, okay, well, he bought the Orange Grove, you know, and then, you know, CW or whatever, right? All that kind of, yeah. you know, stuff. But that's the easy stuff, I think. That's the easy way to go. I think and I think I think you you took the right path. I mean, you don't need me to tell you that, but you know, especially if you're trying to connect with kids. But and again, and now it wasn't me teaching it, it was me living it. Mm. Mm. So then, you know, we we taught the course we had the surgery. Yeah. I lived. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and, and I had started and stopped, started and stopped. I mean, I never got more than like a paragraph or a page on this book idea that I'd had in my head for 20 years. Once I recovered from the tumor and the surgery, finished the book on 142 days. Wow. That's because every great story requires conflict, right? We think stories about happily ever after ending, bullshit. Stories about conflict. Right. Yes. And it's versus once I had the conflict, yeah. now I was able to write the book. Wow. See, this is what I say all the time too. There's only there's five stories. It's technically it's like man versus man. Man <laughs> versus nature. It's that versus. It's that conflict. Correct. You gotta get after it. Correct. Well I'm glad no you recovered. Story. Yeah. I'm glad you recovered and everything was everything was fine. Yeah, and then you know, we did a, big... a second book. I mean, I went 20 years having no clue how to do it, and then we did it in 142 days, and then we wrote a second one two years later. Bam. See, I need your motivation, man. Like, I, you know, I have so many ideas about doing stuff like that, and then I go, ah, no one's going to read it. Or no one's going to – who cares? There's, or there's well, you know, already, there's already out there. You haven't written it. Yeah. <laughs> See? You're right. There you go. There you go. No one's going to go to the park if you don't build it. It's yeah. true. Yeah, I know. But that's cool, man. That's a good, that's a good story. It's a good motivator. Um, you know, do you do you think that the 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 terminal, um, you know, diagnosis was a motivator to like I better get off my butt and do this? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I can remember thinking, I I've had this book in my head for twenty years. I had a million reasons for why I couldn't do it, shouldn't do it, didn't know how to do it. And I, I, I specifically said, you're either going to do it or you're going to let it go once and for all. And now that I had sort of stared death in the face, I literally got a, I didn't care anymore. I didn't care that I didn't know how to do it. I didn't care whether um, I could get it published. I didn't care whether I sold it. I, I didn't care anymore. Hmm. And literally what had taken 20 years of talking myself out of it I started on November 22nd of 2014, sent it to my editor on April 15th of 2015. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. Good for you. (laughs) Good for you. And, uh, you know, hopefully people can buy the book and and get some of that that juju because, you know, there is a lot of fear. Actually, I just ordered a book called The Fear Book. It's like Mm -hmm. overcoming your fears once and for all or something like that. Taryn, by the way, I bought a book. And... um, (laughs) You know, and it's it's because you get to a certain point in your life where you're like, I'm tired of missing out on the things that I want to do because I'm afraid they're not going to work out. Yes. 
You know what I mean? And you, yeah. your book, in your book, you cover that a little bit too. I, probably not a little bit, but I think that's that's a thread throughout too. It's Walt didn't wasn't afraid. He was concerned, maybe anxious, sure, you know, but worried, yeah. Uh, but he had Roy to figure the money stuff out. Um, well, that's what I was going to say. Is he had people around him to be his fear, so that he yeah. could be, sort of be courageous and do kind of whatever he wanted and then other people would say oh no no and then he'd go yes yes (laughs) yes and no um roy told him we're not building a damn amusement park Mm -hmm. lily said why would you want one of those those places are filthy right and from 1954 to 1955 it's been said walt did not have a friend in the world while that park was being built all he was yeah. doing was borrowing money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here mean, comes Walt. Let's uh, turn the turn the, the lantern out so he thinks we're not yeah, home. No, I mean, Roy, Roy, Roy called the banks and said, if Walt comes down there to talk about that damn park, I need to know about it. Really? Well, and yes. so what made, I mean, I guess it's I the success, that. but like I was going to say what made Walt courageous rather than an idiot, you know, and it's just that it worked. And I guess... So, <laughs> Lily went on record to say she never saw Walt beaten at anything. And he, he, he believed in himself and he believed in his ideas and he just kept pushing forward relentlessly over and over and over again. Now I'm sure, you know, you guys know about the bankruptcy in Kansas city, you know, a hundred years ago this summer, he boarded the train, $40 single suitcase, one-way ticket. What most people don't realize when he bought the ticket, he bought a first class ticket. <laughs> right. Right. Hey man, if you're going to go down, go down swinging, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But having said that, the difference between the first studio, which lasted 18 months mm-hmm. And the second studio that today is the largest entertainment company anywhere in the world, the difference between the studio, the two studios is not Walt, because Walt would have driven the second studio right off the financial cliff all over again. <laughs> yeah. The difference between the two studios is Roy. So they made an incredible partnership. And Roy... Roy believed in his brother. They fought like cats and dogs. And Roy wasn't there to watch over him in Kansas City the way that he was once he got to California. Mm. And the last thing he said when he died on December 15th of 1966, he sat there at the end of his bed in Burbank and rubbed his feet and said, I'm not going to be able to take care of you anymore. Wow. Well, I guess that's, yeah. I mean, he had people around him to take care of him. Yeah. So that he could live out his dreams. He did. Well, but I, it was, but it was Walt who, he, he was so persuasive. Mm. He persuaded Roy. He persuaded Lily. He persuaded Herb Ryman to do the drawing of the park <laughs> when he wanted nothing to do with it. He persuaded, <laughs> um, you know, Rather to to build the hotel when Hilton and Sheridan and Marriott wanted nothing to do with it. Um, yeah, he, he he persuaded the animators to go all in on Snow White when they had no clue what they were up to. <laughs> it I mean it it is sort of like 
he had such a creative drive and such a, a drive for his projects that he he needed he needed that support to get all the problems out of the way so he can just continue innovating to continue pushing the dreams like sometimes we get in our own way you know yeah. or, or like my therapist calls it a freeze point you go i have an idea but it's not going to work out for this and this and this but if you have that support around you you can say hey why don't you you know you do this or you do this or i don't care how it gets done just get my idea done and then i can like sort of guide it along and i think that's very rare for people mm-hmm. to, uh, to have and i think waltz Second great, his greatest gift was storytelling. Mm-hmm. His second greatest gift was surrounding himself with ta- with talent and getting out of the way. Yeah, he was an incredible orchestra conductor. He hired people better than himself and empowered them to get the job done. And I think that's hard for a lot of people in leadership positions to accept. Yeah. They, they they want to be the guy. Mm-hmm. They 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 need their ego mm-hmm. to um you know solve all the problems. Yeah, you know well, Walt didn't have to draw Mickey Mouse. He let Up Iwerks do that. He didn't have to design all the, the only attraction designed by Walt Disney is Tom Sawyer Island. That's mm-hmm. it. Other than that, he let his team do it. Now he was there every day telling them, you know, to paint it this way or plan it that way. And he had, you know, at the end of the day, final say on everything. But he hired the right people, trained them really, really well, cast a compelling vision, and then moved on and and did other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, which is what the company needed. No, I'm saying the other day, I think it was on our in-depth a couple days ago with Jeremy, that that Disneyland is probably the thing that saved Walt Disney, the the company, Walt Disney. Oh, uh, the, the only time Walt ever had any real money was after the park opened. Yeah. Which is so interesting because they were so convinced it was going to bankrupt the studio. Why? Yeah. yeah. How funny is that? <laughs> you know, now it's bringing in billions and billions of dollars. Yeah. But yeah. When, when Hurricane Ian hit uh, Florida back in uh, late September, early October, mm-hmm. cost them $80 million a day. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> that's wild, man. That's wild. Yeah, Walt was, Walt was, you know, sometimes I go back and forth. Sometimes I think Walt was just a guy who got lucky. He was smart and he had vision, but I don't think he was a genius. And then other times when you think about it, Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe he is a genius because he knew the things that you kind of outline in your book, you know, the four C's, or to embrace technology. There's a part where you talk about, uh, you know, when he was pitching the um, Disneyland TV show. Nobody else wanted to touch it, but he needed, you know, because they were, uh, the heads of the studios were like, well, uh, TV is going to kill us. You know, it's going to kill the movie business or whatever. But Walt knew that that was the way to get out to get the word out. And so he was embracing that technology. Yeah. I don't know. Walt, uh, maybe, maybe that's case enough for, for the, the genius of, of, of Walt there. But I do think sometimes maybe we, we sort of uh, put him too high on a pedestal. Like, you know, he got very, very lucky, but well, with, I don't think those are mutually exclusive. Yeah. Okay. Like in a make your own luck kind of sense or. Well, no, I mean, I think he was, I think he was incredibly visionary. Yeah. I think he was, um, quite brilliant and yeah really darn lucky 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you see his luck if for no other reason surviving the Spanish flu. Well, yeah. I mean, let's just let's just start there. <laughs> well, um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but then you know, just the you know, just his timing, his timing with Mickey Mouse, right? Mm-hmm. His timing with with Snow White. Um, and and again, his ability, his ability to go all in on you know whether it was all in on sound with Steamboat Willie, yeah. Um, his willingness to go all in on you know, and these were huge risks, but those risks enabled him to be at the front end of you know these huge developments. Whether it's Mickey Mouse, whether it's Snow White, whether it's um, you know Disneyland, but again. To some degree, it, it you know, in order to 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 do Disneyland, you have to be lucky enough to have the timing down of the mid nineteen fifties post World War II. Mm. You've got to be in Southern California where the weather is great. You've got to be in you know where the demographics are just. Right. I mean, again, it, it everything just sort of lined up. But Walt was smart enough to realize. Yeah, I want to do this thing. And he'd been wanting to do it for a really, really, really long time. People <laughs> don't know this. He'd been eyeballing amusement parks since he was a kid, since his dad was telling stories of having worked as a dollar a day carpenter at the 1893 World Fair in Chicago. Mm. When they premiered Snow White, um, you know, back in 1937, he did replicas of the uh dwarf's cottages and he said one day i'm going to do a full-size version of this see i'm i don't know what i we're like on we're vibrating on this similar brain because i've i read that before too and i've said it we used to do a fact of the show years ago um and uh i just ran out of facts to find it's hard you know because i wanted to source them not just like well this is i heard that there's a a lizard man in the you know whatever right um and i heard one of those and people were like didn't believe me like no, no that's Wal- absolutely true. Yeah, it's since the 30s Wall has been saying I'm I'm going to build a park one day. And then you have the park in Burbank that didn't really go anywhere, but you know, he had the the stre- the, the sketch for. So it's it is a, it is a a dream and it does, you know, remind me of that point in your book where uh which I'm learning to to do now is uh your journey to like achieve your achieve your dreams. It doesn't just happen like 6 months. It's a lifelong yeah, thing and you have to commit to that. And just you know, getting back to your lessons real fast. That's a lot of what you push in the book, and um, you know strongly. And I think you need to. You have to, you have to commit to all this, to commit to the journey, and understand that it's not going to take six months or a year. It's a lifelong thing, and 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 Walt knew that. Well, and and think think how lucky he was, and quite frankly, we are that the city council in Burbank told him no. He had eight acres next to the studio and he was going to do Mickey Mouse Park and maybe run a train from the studio out to Griffith Park and tie it to the merry-go-round where he had the entire idea to begin with. That would be cool, though. It would have been cool, but it wouldn't have been Disneyland. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. He would have been in less of a a bind than they are now or more of a bind than they are now with where do we go? We can't expand. And so the city council in 1952, I think it was told Walt no, saying, quote, unquote, we don't want a carnival atmosphere in our town. And Walt Walt was less than amused, <laughs> but he understood that no didn't really mean no, it simply meant next option. 
and he hires the Stanford Research Group, which included Harrison Buzz Price and C.V. Wood, i.e. Wooden, bu- Wooden Buzz, which I think is oh, right. Oh, you know what? I, that's never we've covered C.V. Wood before a couple of times. That's never dawned on me. Yeah. I, I, why no one's gone there? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Buzz well, and Woody. It's <laughs> a really good point. Yeah. So um, Stanford Research Group, um, Buzz and Woody, and they look at, I think, up to 150 sites in Southern California, pitch four to wall, number one of which is the Ball Road subdivision. And the the Ball Road subdivision becomes Disneyland, and that satisfies Walt for about four years. And after four years, he's bored. Mm. And he starts looking east, not for Disneyland 2.0, because he never wanted to do sequels. He hated repeating himself. He always wanted to be moving forward. He's looking for Epcot, right? Yeah. And 160 acres becomes 27,440. As, as it happens. was never going to be enough. <laughs> no, of course not. No. Well, and that, and that is that. That does speak to that vision, because, you, you know, you realize that at some point. Yeah. Yep. I love it. We so do it again. And, and Tony Robbins talks about this. Life is always working for you, never against you. You just have to change your perspective. My therapist, <laughs> I, I'm talking <laughs> a lot about this lately. Uh, yeah, where you have to realize that life isn't happening to you. You are doing it. You, you make the choice. So, you know, it talks about like of crutches, right? Where it's like, well, you know, if you uh, like to unwind with a couple beers, uh, you know, do it. But accept that you are choosing to do that and right. not that you are a bad person because you do, you know, that kind of that kind of negative block thinking. Right. Yep. Yeah. I actually this is my, my I actually write about this in the blog that comes out next Wednesday. I do a Wednesdays with Walt blog um, and, and I write about the Omnimover and the real um, innovation in the Omnimover was rather than it being a string of vehicles and the guests just saw what they saw. Now the Imagineers could point you in a specific direction and focus you into specific scenes. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't experience your life. You experience what you choose to focus on. And if you focus on the bad, chances are you're not going to feel good. Yeah. But if you choose to focus on what makes you happy, where you have abundance, um, where there is joy and pleasure, it's going to lift you up. And so um, once you recognize that you are on your own Omnimover and you make conscious choices about where you point and focus yourself each day, you have a lot more control over how you feel and experience your own life. I don't believe it. <laughs> I feel like this whole, <laughs> <laughs> this whole interview has been like a therapy session. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, ch- check the book out. It's, you know, it's, you know, I, I call it in, in my notes. I, I made a thing and uh, it was like, oh, you know, when I read other, I've read other self-help books and then I go, well, is it really a self-help book? Is it almost a bad word to say self-help uh, these days? Because it's personal development, personal development. That's the new, the sort of new phrase. It does sound better. It does sound better, you know. <laughs> Sounds a lot better. Yeah, um, I, yeah. It's like they turn they turn like military aid to lethal aid now. You know, when we give <laughs> aid packages, it's like, oh well, it's 
sort of softer, I guess, kind of, but also yeah. more direct. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm from Disneyland. Way. I'm here to help you. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. Well, I love it, man. Uh, you know, we do have a couple questions from the chat, if you wouldn't mind. We've got a couple more minutes with you, and then I have I have a questionnaire I like to do with our guests at the end. It's real. It's real. Oh, fast. and I've, I've got a question as well. Oh, so. go ahead, Eric. You go ahead, and let me let me let me cherry oh, pick some some chat questions. I'll preempt the chat. Cool. Do it. <laughs> well, Jeff, um, in in my in my other job, um, if you can believe, I have a second job. What? Yeah. What? You're fired. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I lead a, a a decent sized team of about sixty people. And I love I I love your books because they I mean they're the type of leadership development that I that I'm I'm looking for you know ever since I took on this role and the thing that's really that that's really hitting me as I've been like skimming back through recently the the past few days um, in Beyond the Wisdom of Walt uh, the second book here it's cultivating a crazy culture and you talk about the the way Walt built a family. And that's something that right now we're in this in the middle of this really bizarre time where where for a while we had to work remotely and we made things happen. And now it's saying, I don't know that we should have made these things happen remotely. And and we're trying to rebuild this culture that I that I once I had a team that that was once this big, cohesive team. And then we scattered them to the winds and now we're pulling them back. And this family scenario keeps coming back to mind uh just using these these principles how if walt were to be dropped into a situation like this how long do you think this sort of thing would take um you know we're, we're i'm right in the middle of it and there are so many things happening at once and it's we we can't look completely to the past we've got to look forward we've got to look at the vision we've got to say but this is where we're going and this is why we're doing these things um yeah, this this is me just uh, you know going for a free leadership lesson here. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, first of all, thank you for the question, uh, and it, it it's a challenge that um, is not unique to you or your team or your company. I'm I'm hearing this question everywhere. It's it's just a reality of the other side of COVID, the reality of the other side of, of pandemic, the reality of the other side of remote work. Um, and, and I think, you know, when when March 13th hit, um, coming up on three years ago, by the way, yeah, uh, which is kind of crazy, um, people were like, what are we going to do, right? Um, and we figured it out, and, and we figured it out relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, um, March 13th happens to also be the same day that Walt sent the telegram to Roy <laughs> saying, huh. um, don't worry, coming back from New York, everything will be okay. Arriving Sunday, we'll talk more when I get there. And that was following the loss of Oswald. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I just find that really, really, really wow. interesting. And I talk about that in my keynotes. Um, and, and, and then we sort of settled into this um, quasi um, new normal of, wow, we figured this out and we're going to like live <laughs> like this for forever. Right. <laughs> and now we're on the other side of, yeah, um, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. And 
most people are like, yeah, um, we need our offices back. We need our teams back. We need collaboration and water cooler conversations, right? Um, and, the, and there's a few people who are like really, really resistant to that. Oh, yeah. Um, More than a few. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there's um, 2,300 at least. In the Disney, so, uh, in the, that petition, oh, that petition. Yeah. oh gosh. Yeah. And, and so I, I think you're wise in, in just recognizing the reality of it. Um, and, and then secondly, be patient and try to spend. And, and I think I wrote about this in that specific chapter where, you know, Walt says, I don't really have a specific job anymore. But he, he talks about going around like a little bee. Yeah. And and pollinating. And and I nice. and I and I think I wrote specifically about the the land boat ride in Epcot where they sort of forgot that they had to pollinate the plants <laughs> in that right. attraction. And somebody was like, Well, what about the bees? And they're like, We can't have bees. There's gonna be like guests, and they have to do it by hand. Um, you know. When, when when the people return and, and culture is everything, you, you can train for skill. Um, and, and this is what Walt did when he was hiring for Disney. He was like, we're building the happiest place on earth. Hire happy people. We can figure the rest out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, you know, go from person to person to person to person to person. And, you know, Spend some time smiling and asking how the transition is going and, um, you know, how are things at home and what have the last three years been like and what was the first family vacation back out on the, you know, and it it, it oh, has yeah. nothing to do with work and yet everything at the same time. Oh, yeah. No, and I, I yeah, uh, thank you for that. That's, that's great. And that, that's that's definitely where I've been been living for these last few weeks. Yeah. As we're making this transition, I'm coming up to people that I know have been angry about this since since this came down. I mean, this isn't this isn't my decision, and I know that they're not holding. Some of them probably hold a grudge against me. Well, sure. I mean, but it's, it's you. It's, you it's easy not. To, it's easy to. But yeah, I'm walking up to people that I know are upset and saying, "I haven't seen you in almost three years. What? How have you been? You know, we've we've done." plenty of Microsoft Teams calls and and plenty of of sessions where I'm talking out into the darkness, hoping that somebody is listening to me (laughs) and sending emails and hoping that people read them. But I know that feeling. (laughs) And you can, and and again, I have no idea what your role or responsibility in any of this is. And to some degree, it almost doesn't matter because I, I, I tend to be very logical and reasonable and rational. Um, and my, my gut says um, that that's not what any of this is about. It's, it's about emotion. Right. Oh, yeah. And so try to connect with them at a heart level and, you know, get them to feel better about being back in the office, get them to feel better about being surrounded by people. Mm-hmm. And that, Again, is is Walt just going around and being that bee that you know we talked about? Also, um, give him a raise. <laughs> well, yeah, I could do one of those two things. <laughs> I like Jeff's idea better. Oh, okay, all right, <clears throat> that's true. All right, enough of that. 
Jeff, here's a question <laughs> from the chat. Uh, now, I don't know if you know this, but we do have some celebrities who <laughs> who are in our chat room and who listen to the show. One of them is Bob Chapek. Okay. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to make you nervous about being around uh, a Bob, but uh, I love Bob, and he says I have a question. What was the biggest mistake made by Disney? Superstar limo or firing me? <laughs> and well, I think that's I've very never serious. Met Bob Chapek, but I did experience superstar limo. <laughs> okay, um, and I don't know how many people today can actually say that, but I did go to DCA in June of two thousand. Okay, so, um, so you were there. I was. I was. So I, I'm going to say superstar limo, because, <laughs> you know, because I, you know, hey, you know, yeah. Bob, you know, I, I think maybe you got a bad rap. You know? <laughs> I'm telling you, Jeff, that's exactly. Yes, I'm Bob Chapek's number one fan. Uh-huh. I think he did get a bad rap. I think he was set up. It was an inside job. Yeah. Um, so, I it, mean, I, it, it, and let me just like and I'm a Bob Iger fan, to be fair. That's no, too bad. Um, <laughs> but I also think. Fans have an unrealistic an unrealistic expectation of what like what's changed since JPEG left. Right, exactly. Seven thousand more people like got lost their job. That's what's changed. <laughs> I, I mean, like I, I think I think Iger has a better he has a he has a better personality and better yes. message. Absolutely. Yes, I agree. And, I think, and at the end of the day, those things count. They do. Chapek, I think, needed this book. I think yeah. Chapek needed a little <laughs> bit of a he softer did. side for sure. But I don't think his policies were necessarily like terrible. I mean, they were just—he was just doing what, what Iger was doing, raising prices. Yeah, but he didn't do it in a friendly way. I know. And it's exactly, <laughs> exactly right. Um, yeah. Our and, our friend, and, sh- and he yeah. got handed. He got handed. The, the the deck in the middle of the pandemic. I mean, yes. also that, yes. Yeah. Um, our good friend Sean O'Sullivan says, uh, it's just a comment. He says, Evan, I liked it. Uh, Sully's a little bit of a, a business philosopher. He says, uh, it's all about one step at a time. Take the time to walk across the street. Leaping to the other side never really works. I'm not that that's pretty good. Um, and then let's see, where is that other one? Uh, this is from RGH. He says, a question for Jeff. What is the most interesting opportunity that Walt missed? I'm sure that's a, a pretty hard question to answer. Um, no, I actually, I, I, I like that question. Um, so I was actually standing at Disneyland last night, um, watching not the fireworks show because, um, they didn't do it last night, not because of the weather, although I don't think it would have happened regardless. Mm. Um, they just, right now they're, they're only doing projections on weeknights. Oh yeah. Um, and it was just wondering, like, you know, I think Walt would just be really, really proud of how well he designed a park in 1955 that has stood the test of time because, you know, he would have never imagined that they could do on main street, what they're able to do in 2023 from a technological standpoint, it just works, right? It's just like, Oh my gosh, like I never knew they were going to be able to do this. And wow. I I just, you know, I did it right. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, you know, that sort of um, foot in the past, IE main street foot in the future, IE Tomorrowland with a medieval castle in between, which makes no sense, but we can't (laughs) get down the fast enough. Right. Right. Um, I think the, the challenge with Tomorrowland, um, which has always been a challenge, right? Um, it's been redone more than any other land. 
1998. Um, it's been needing to be redone again for what? Coming up on 20 years now. <laughs> um, but it's always been a vision of the future centered around corporate America, the space race, the nuclear age, so on and mm-hmm. so forth. Um, and yet here we are, and it's really all about communication and our our phones and technology in our pockets. So um, I, I feel like there was sort of a miss there. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and I... And and I've had students write about um, that very um, reality. Plus, and again, this is not a knock on Walt because I actually think Walt was fairly progressive in the context of his time, but a vision of a tomorrow where um, you know things are much more diverse and much more inclusive. Yeah, I you know I I definitely agree. So again, a, a, a tomorrow, a Tomorrowland, um, and, and and NASA. I don't people don't realize this. NASA gave Walt credit for the moon landings when they occurred in 1969. Oh, did they? Nice. Yeah, because his the 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 Tomorrowland programming on the Disneyland television show, um, the Eisenhower administration requested that. Yeah. Sent it to um, the Pentagon, and that helped provide funding for NASA. Yeah, we did a whole show on that of how Walt basically sparked the space race and yes, pushing that yes. whole that whole thing. Ward Kimball, I think, was in charge of doing Correct. all that. And yeah, uh, yeah it, it's one of those little known facts. But I didn't know that NASA actually would like recognized yeah. their yeah. contribution. And, That's cool. And, and about one of my favorite pieces of watching Apollo Eleven land is one of the network broadcast about four minutes before um, Eagle lands. They show guests at Disneyland from Tomorrowland watching mm. um, live. It, it just—it's so moving. That's cool. Yeah, that that that's that bridge technology. Yeah, you know yeah. that's yeah that. And then that must have felt very progressive, even on its own. Like this is this is we're living the future. Yeah. We're broadcasting yeah. from space. I just that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So again, um, but but I feel like. Um, you know, the vision of Tomorrowland was a little more, it, it was, it, it was, it was too limiting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was an afterthought also. It was his last park or last, you know, section of the park to sort of be thought out. Well, yeah. It was very, he didn't know what to do with it. It never had enough time and it never had enough money. Yeah. Um, at one point they were going to put up a fence and say, we'll open Tomorrowland. Well, tomorrow. <laughs> and, and then the next day, Walt had another meeting and made a completely different decision. Yeah, we've we've done a few shows, I think, on on how to redesign Tomorrowland and like just you know armchair Imagineering kind of stuff. And it is, it's a conundrum. It's a problem because you can go either way. You can go in the past and go retro Tomorrowland, like fifties, sixties stuff. Paris. Yeah, right. Or you can go, um, you know, turn it into like the um, the theater that they have the Carousel of Progress theater. Turn my idea was like turn it into a museum of the technology technological advancements in audio animatronics and all the stuff from the parks. And you know, whenever you take out a, a ride, you can put some of it in there and make it more of a museum and an homage to the forward thinking technological advances of the parks. You do all sorts of stuff, but um, you know, we have Autopia, so. <laughs> 
that's, <laughs> that's the thing. So I heard, a, and it is a rumor. Uh-oh. And it's a rumor from a cast member. Okay. I heard this yesterday that they're going to replace Autopia with Tron. There's no way there, that would ever happen. <laughs> I think, I mean. I have. I think it's time. Autopia. It happen, Autopia but. stinks. I mean, it's cool. It's it's. I like it. I shouldn't say it stinks, but it, I mean, literally, it smells. Well, um, yes. <laughs> I think it would be a good idea, but I don't see them pulling it out because it's such a nostalgia bomb for people. I mean, that they'd yeah. still get sixty minute, you know, cues. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a I have a hard time seeing it. Yeah, because again, it's an opening day attraction. Um, and, and I don't see Trump like it's easy to put it in Florida off to the side of Tomorrowland because, you know, it's just there's so much space and there's just a different scale. I just I, I don't see it fitting. They have the room for it, but I don't see it fitting in terms of the scale. Yeah, it's big, even in Disney World. Because well, yeah, you imagine you've got Space Mountain and then you have what that that round building. I forget what it's called right now. Now it's the Star Wars launch bay. Yeah, the Star the Wars launch, launch bay. Or whatever, yeah. And yeah. Then you well, would... it's the old Carousel of Progress building. Right. Yeah, right. And then you would it have... Inventions. Yeah, and then you would have Tron, and it's like those three large landmarks. I, I don't know. It's it's hard to imagine. It's a yeah. ch- big change it, of landscape. The rest of the land feels so quaint, and Tron won't. Yeah. <laughs> I And, and that's, that's part of it, I think, that, that Autopia, it's designed well. You know, they have the, the, the plants looking cool. And it's it's just it's a nice the ride stinks, but it's a nice drive. Yeah, it's I mean nice. it's so much better than the Florida version. Did we ride the Florida version? No, we didn't. I, no, we I didn't. can't even didn't think of where that is. Yeah. I think that's why we didn't ride it. Like that's Autopia. I mean, yeah. how how different is it gonna be? They need to make oh. the cars go faster, that's all. And make them electric. Um, no, I mean the Disneyland version is far superior. Nice. Mm. I love that. Um, we've taken a lot of your time, Jeff. I, I got one. It's a, like a more of a thought question from Dan. Uh, and then we'll, we'll wrap up, but I do think it's interesting. He says, uh, how does Jeff think Walt would have embraced social media and or streaming? <laughs> oh, great questions. Um, well, I'll tell you, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> and the reason why I say that is I, I've been privileged to interview legends and imagineers who work daily with Walt and they always said they had no idea what Walt was going to do or say on <laughs> any given day. So um I, I find it hilarious that any of us would presume to ever know what Walt would do or think about anything in 2023. That's the way I feel when 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 the, you know people go, what would Walt think? What would Walt do? And it's like nobody knows. Or Walt would roll over in his grave about <laughs> <laughs> and and, then, and I always find that hilarious because he was cremated. So there you go. Yeah, well, um, there. He would put himself together just to roll over. Yeah. Um, but having said that, again, Walt was always embracing technology. Um, he had one foot in the past because he loved nostalgia. He loved history. But he was always pushing forward, always moving forward. And he didn't fear the future. And so... Um, if social media was the, and he was a phenomenal communicator. And so if, if that was what he needed to communicate directly into the hearts of the American people, the American family, he, he would do it. Mm. Um, would he lose a, a, a billion bucks a quarter, a billion bucks a year? 
Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, that might be a Roy question. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if, if they're bringing yeah. in, you know, more money than they're losing, I guess, what does it, what does it matter? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, so, I mean, the, the, the challenge that I'm finding, and, and again, I, I'm a big Iger fan. Um, you know, I, I, I and, and not that I'm a, I'm a bigger Marvel fan than I am Star Wars, um, but I support what happened there. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what you're really seeing, I think, is um, the the parks are bursting at the seams and they're charging premium dollars. And I think the money from the parks is being used to pay down the debt for Fox. Mm-hmm. I suspect, and I'm not an accounting expert by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, um, it does make sense, though. Yeah, and while you know, you know, I think a lot of us as Disney fans find a lot of value in Disney Plus and Star Wars and Marvel. Do any of us really care that they bought Fox? No, <laughs> no. So, no. so that's. A, I mean, that. So, so we we feel. The, the the pinch and the push in the parks, right? And it's being used to pay for an asset that we don't necessarily find value. And, and that's a challenge for us, I mm-hmm. suspect. Yeah, yeah, that probably. Makes sense. Uh, all right, Jeff, before we get out of here, I do have a quick set of questions. It's sort of a la um, inside the actor studio, you know, sort of brief, you know, answer questions. But, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll we'll let you split after this. So, First up, what is your favorite Disney attraction? Space Mountain. What is your least favorite? Oh, um, Journey into the Imagination at Epcot. Hmm. Okay. Mm, right. I, and I never rode the original. Ah, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pie-eyed Mickey or round-eyed Mickey? Uh, round-eyed. Interesting. Okay. What old ride should they bring back to the parks? Uh, uh, sky buckets. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, what current ride should they remove from the parks? Current ride. Oh, these are so tough. Yeah, you're gonna get a score after this too, just so you know. It's really serious. Wow, I feel like I need to stay at Disneyland. Okay, that's fair. It could be attraction too. I know some people are, you know. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. Differentiate that. Well, yeah, this is a long time ago That's before true. I solidified my uh, like my weird seven years ago. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I'm good. If, this is probably going to. You can take out Pinocchio's daring journey. Ooh, okay. controversial. Right. It is controversial because then what are what's everyone going to ride when they look at Peter Pan and go, Ugh, <laughs> two <laughs> hours? I don't know. <laughs> well, again, um, I, it, it would be an. It, it would be an opportunity to put in a new, amazing fantasy land. That's true. That is true. That's very true. Kind of needs that. Uh, this is probably easier. What's your favorite Disney character? Oh, Dumbo. Dumbo. Nice. Yeah. I don't think we've had a Dumbo yet. I love Dumbo. And then finally, if you could travel back in time and meet Walt Disney, what would you say to him? Nice work, pal. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Give him an attaboy. Just pat on the butt. Send him on his way. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's fantastic. Excellent. Well, I encourage everybody to go to thewisdomofwalt.com, and that's Jeff's site. And you can uh, catch up to date on all about Jeff, what he does, the uh, speaking tours that he does. He has workshops, 
uh, courses. He has books for sale, and you can learn a little bit more about uh, Walt's or yeah, Walt, Walt's attitude towards uh, leadership and how Jeff sort of takes that and uh, reworks it so anybody can gain a few life lessons from from the man who built Walt Disney. You know what I mean? Walt Disney World, Walt Disney Land, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, you know, if you want to. Hire Jeff, of course. You do uh, keynote speak uh, keynote speaking engagements at uh, various locations and for businesses and all sorts of cool stuff. That's pretty neat, man. That's a nice gig. I like it. Thank you. I, I enjoy welcome. it. It's fun. Yeah, I bet. You look like you have a good time. You have some video clips on your website so you guys can get uh, a sense of how Jeff is uh, uh, speaking. He's very dynamic, very dynamic speaker and uh, a lot of good stage presence, man. All right. Thank, yeah. And um, there's a free blog comes out every Wednesday, motivational, inspirational, comes right into your uh, email inbox and it's nice. 100% free. Nice. Got to love it. Yeah. So check that out. The wisdom of and then pick up his book, the wisdom of Walt as well. Jeff, thanks a lot for your time, man. I, I, I really guys. appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back, do a little Disney news and then wrap the show up. And then we have the secret show at nine 30, of course, too. So, uh, you know, there's that. So anyway, stay tuned, everyone. It's ears up. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify, whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However, you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the, we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And now, back to the show that ignites your dream wish of imaginations and magical color wonderment of forever. Ears up. All right, what's up, everybody? Thanks for sticking around. You know, actually, I changed my mind. I think we're going to get out of here. Okay. Uh, I oh. think we're going to leave because, you know, we have 12 minutes for, before the secret show, and it'd be nice to get up and get something to drink. We need to make the drink and do all that kind of stuff, too. So, uh, you know, there's this that. This is a pretty heavy content show anyway. I it think was. It was, oh, it was yeah. great. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, before we do leave, though, I do want to say thanks to Conti Ears. You can go to ConciEars.com right now if you are going to plan your trip, your next trip to the parks, Disneyland, Disney World, if you want to go on a Disney cruise, uh, or if you're taking any other vacation, see if Concierge can help you book that. But they are the Disney Parks experts. So go to them. You can buy your tickets from them. They charge you nothing on top of what Disney charges you. They uh, will help you book reservations. They'll help you navigate uh, Genie Plus, maybe even Disney Plus. If you know the menus can be sometimes <laughs> kind of squirrely. Yeah, um, just ask. Yeah, yeah, just ask that. You can know. I can I say I was um I was looking for the drink for the Secret Show. Yeah. Um. So you I, can. I was googling things and I was trying to look at because we haven't been in a while. So I was like, oh, maybe the Carthay Lounge drink menu changed. So I'm kind of looking at things. And um, I somehow ended up on the reservation page and because I was trying to I couldn't remember the the name of Lamplight Lounge. And so I was trying to figure out, OK, if I wanted a reservation for somewhere in DCA, how would I do it? So I'm trying to do it. And like I I was seriously like, I don't know how to do this anymore. And my first <laughs> thought was like, I need concierge just to help me find a drink recipe. Like, I don't know what I'm doing around here. <laughs> Wow. So, they'll do they'll do that too. That's yeah, fine. Perfect. <laughs> but seriously, it, they don't make it easy for you, but so go to concierge because I think they do. Absolutely. Very good. And then of course, if you're looking for great beer, you buy anything from the 21st Amendment. But right now they have the Brew Free or Die Cold IPA, which is sort of like a lager, but not really. Uh, and it's sort of hopped like an IPA, but also not really. It's a whole different animal. 
and it's very tasty. If you like lagers and uh, like IPAs, you're going to love Brew for Your Die Cold IPA. So check that wherever you can find great craft beer. They are in most states. I don't think all states. I forget how many states that they're in, but they're check it out. Or go to 21st-amendment.com and find, uh, the, find some page, I think is what it is. And you can figure out where in your area to get 2A beer. And if you can't find the Brew for Your Die Cold IPA, just get anything. Because it's all delicious. It really is. And you know, and that's the thing about Sully. He is a perfectionist. Absolutely. He's a lot like me. I never do anything. Um, where he's never satisfied with the thing, some of the things that he does. So you know that the beer, he's not going to send the beer out if it's not good. Mm-hmm. He's like one of those people. There are some breweries. I'm not going to name any names. Sierra Nevada. No, I'm kidding. Um, obviously, I'm kidding. Uh, you know, they'll just, eh, well, this batch is okay. Or this, eh, I don't really, eh, whatever. Um, but uh, the beer at 2 and a is consistent as hell, so check it out. All right, that's it. We're going to split, everybody. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. Um, of course, where's my intro, outro, music, buddy? That's what it is. There we go. And thanks to Jeff again. Uh, go to thewisdomofwalt.com and uh, pick up his book, Leadership Le- uh, Wisdom of Walt, Leadership Lessons from the Happiest Place on Earth. It is a cool book. It's, it's big, too. It's thick. Easy to read, though. You know, and yeah, I was yeah. serious, like, oh, yeah. his writing style is very, like, blog-like. At the time I said it, I was like, maybe this is insulting. I don't know. But uh, I, I meant it as more of, like, it's easy, it's to, easy read. to read. Yeah, yeah. it's is, It's very easy to read. It's, there's, it's like, like, some spaces, said, yeah. and it's, you know, creatively outlined, and he has some good workbook stuff in there for you to mm-hmm. do. And it's great. So if even if you're not in a leadership position at your, at your company, uh, but you're looking for a little motivation in life, either to achieve a dream or do whatever... This book is definitely going to help you, especially because you listen to this show, you like Disney a lot, mm-hmm. you're going to be uh, even more motivated after this, so check it out. All right, everybody, thanks a lot for tuning in. If you are a Patreon supporter, you can go to Patreon right now and get the link for The Secret Show, and we will see you over there in eight minutes-ish. Woo! Yeah. Oop. Ah, that was almost in-depth. All right, everybody, uh, until next time, we'll see you in the parks. <laughs>